July of this summer, 2016, nearly 360 delegates at Mennonite Church Canada's Assembly voted in favour of a resolution seeking peace, justice, freedom and security for Palestinians under Israeli government policies that continue to support new settlements in occupied Palestinian territories. The building of these settlements can mean the theft of land, bulldozing of Palestinian homes and farms, restricted movement of Palestinian peoples, and reduced access to resources such as drinking water. This resolution came as the result of a plea from Palestinian Christians who believe it is God's will that Israelis and Palestinians live with one another in peace. Hi, my name is Dan Dick, and welcome to Church Matters. Today's episode is part one of a two-part series on a Christian call for peace and justice in Palestine and Israel. My guest today is Byron Rempel Burkholder, one of two men who brought forward the resolution seeking justice for Palestinians. Welcome, Byron. Thank you, Dan. First of all, Byron, what prompted you to propose this resolution? In January, my wife Melitta and I went to Bethlehem in the West Bank in uh, Israel-Palestine for three months uh, under a short-term ministry assignment with Mennonite Church Canada. We had the opportunity to live among Palestinian Christians. We heard their stories. We observed uh, the life of Palestinians as well as uh, Jews in Israel across the uh, separation barrier. And uh, we came back uh, very concerned about the situation there, and that prompted us to get involved in this resolution. You're one of many Mennonites who have spent time in the Holy Land. Uh, I know that your uh, co-resolutionist, Palmer Becker, uh, was also there, and he served on many assignments, and it's between the two of you that you composed this resolution. Yes, and I should say that uh, we had the consultation of a number of other people who have served in Israel and the West Bank. So there was a fairly broad consultation as we crafted the resolution. In fact, we, we built upon some work at a re resolution uh, that had been done in the past. I want to tackle here a common biblical understanding that God has given Israel the right to occupy the Holy Land and that no matter what, Palestinians just need to leave their homes and stop rebelling against this promise from God. How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, Dan, I think your question implies that most people in the world understand the Bible to actually say that God wants the modern secular state of Israel to forcibly remove several million Arab-speaking Palestinian people from land that they have lived on for hundreds of years so that the land will be exclusively for Hebrew-speaking Israelis. I don't think that assumption is accurate. That may be an understanding among some Western Christians who have a very selective interpretation of the Bible, particularly parts of the Old Testament, but that is certainly not the understanding of Christians in other parts of the world, especially in the Middle East. As they read the Bible, they see a God who wants all people to live securely and in peace, both Jews and non-Jews, that pushing people off their land or building walls to separate people on the basis of ethnicity is not consistent with God's vision for peace in the region. And there are many, many Jews who would agree with that. I also had a discussion with someone just recently about this question, and it was 
pointed out to me that God's promise of the Holy Land to the Israelites in the Old Testament times was a conditional promise. Do you have anything more to say about that? God did promise the ancient people of Israel the land of Israel, but God also made it very clear that to remain on the land went hand in hand with living out the covenant with the people, which called for justice, which called for dignity of, of people. And when Israel violated that covenant, the prophets in the Old Testament were very clear that, that God uh, was not happy with that. And so the right to live on the land is very, very closely connected with standards of justice and morality. So God's promise of land for the Israelites in the Old Testament is sort of a conditional promise. To stay on the land, uh, you need to follow God's laws. Well, my understanding is that God gave an unconditional promise to enter the land, but to keep the land was conditional. I think one other thing that people need to sort through is the question of what does the word Israel mean? Does it mean the ancient people of Israel who had a covenant with God and who promised to live under God's covenant? Or does it mean the modern secular state of Israel 2,000 years later? Or does it mean the Jewish people in general? And I think you have to distinguish and people struggle with exactly what does Israel mean. And I think a problem for many Christians today is they take that ancient definition of Israel and they leapfrog over 2,000 years and they say, well, this automatically means that the secular state of Israel today is God's chosen people in the same way that it was back before the time of Christ. That's where we need to do our biblical homework and look at interpretation uh, of how, how we interpret the Bible. We also need to look at our own cultural assumptions and how they enter into these uh, definitions of what is Israel. Uh, we also need to look at it from the point of view of, uh, of our Christian faith. And it's, especially in the New Testament, we have a vision of God's people as much broader than the people of Israel. Now, all people are included in God's covenant. And uh, many Christians today almost ignore the New Testament when they look at the question of modern Israel and how that connects with the ancient people of Israel. Those are important distinctions to make. The resolution on the Mennonite Church Canada website is long. It's almost a full page. One part of the resolution that the media and others have focused on is a call for the Canadian government to seek economic sanctions on Israel. But the resolution is much broader than that. What else does it call for? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Dan, because I think it's important for people who are responding to this resolution to read it carefully in detail. You're right. It's, it's almost two pages long, and two-thirds of this document is background information through our preamble and through our whereas statements. You need to read those very carefully. Those first two-thirds reflect the fact that this is a call from our Palestinian Christian brothers and sisters in Palestine. You're right that toward the end of the document, there are a couple of points out of six points of the wherefore part of the resolution that, that deal with economic uh, issues. But 
there's a lot more. There are four other uh, points there that, that also need to be taken seriously. In this resolution, we commit ourselves to prayer and to study. We commit ourselves to heart searching about how we are complicit in the injustice. We commit ourselves to ask ourselves how we can best work for peace and justice. The resolution encourages people to go on learning tours to see what life is like for the Palestinian people and to hear their stories. We commit ourselves to partnering with Palestinian and uh, Jewish people, both in Canada and in Israel and Palestine, people who are interested in working toward peace with justice. There have been other assumptions too. What does the resolution not say? Well, that's an important question because I, I find that some people draw some very wrong conclusions from a resolution like this. First, it does not say that the state of Israel has no right to exist or that Jews shouldn't have a safe homeland in Israel. And by the same token, it's not anti-Semitic. The resolution recognizes and laments the suffering of the Jewish people in history and their right to safety and peace today. It is against all forms of racism, whether it's anti-Semitic or anti-Palestinian. The issue here, Dan, is, is not about race. It's about justice. It's about freedom of movement. It's about access to water. It's about self-determination for people who have lived on the land for centuries. It's about human dignity. I'll also say that the resolution is not about supporting terrorism. If you read it, its opposition to all violence is very clear. Whether it's the violence of Palestinians shooting homemade rockets at Israel or the violence of Israel's demolition of Palestinian homes, all violence is wrong. The conflict in the Middle East has been going on for decades now. Why do you think there was such popular support for this resolution at this particular time? Well, as we say in the preamble to the resolution, Mennonites have been involved in Palestine for over 70 years. We've been doing humanitarian work with Mennonite Central Committee. We have uh, sent advocates through Christian peacemaker teams. We've been there doing a lot of work with Palestinians. We've gone on learning tours. We've gotten to know Palestinian refugees in our country as well and in other countries like Jordan. All of this experience was very evident in some of the comments that were made at the assembly in support of this resolution. But I think the reason it took on some urgency now is that the situation in Israel has gotten more desperate over the last few years. The settlements have increased a lot, making it difficult for... And when you say settlements, do you mean Israeli or Jewish settlements on occupied yeah. Palestinian territory, just to be clear? Jewish settlement on occupied Palestinian territory have increased, making it more difficult for Palestinians to, to have their own state, which is what the international community has, has called for. The walls separating Palestinians and Israelis have been, continued to be constructed, roads separating those communities, uh, restricting access. And, and we have to realize, Dan, that in Palestine today, and by that I mean the West Bank and East Jerusalem particularly, there is a small 
but significant minority of Palestinians who are Christians, and they are raising their voices in protest. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are seeking to be a witness in this land where Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose again, and where the church was born. And we are realizing now that we can't ignore their voice any longer. They are saying that uh, traditional relief and development work may be good, but it's not enough. We need to be addressing the root causes of the social problems that we've been working with there. And a lot of that has to do with the military occupation of their lands. More and more Mennonites are hearing these cries for justice. They've gone on learning tours, they've done volunteer work, and they come back very concerned and often shaken at what they see. So I think that's why it comes at this moment. Thanks so much, Byron, for joining us and sharing these insights with me and our audience today on these difficult matters. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for part one of this two-part series on a Christian call for justice in Palestine and Israel. If you would like to access resources on the theme of justice in the Middle East, visit www.commonword.ca. You're invited to join me again in just four weeks for another episode of Church Matters. We're here for you at 8.45 a.m. on the third Sunday of every month. We'd love to hear from our listeners, whether that's by email, phone, or snail mail. Tell us what's on your mind via churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca or mail us at 600 Shaftesbury Boulevard, Winnipeg, Manitoba, R3P0M4. We're also happy to receive your phone calls and always appreciate your financial support for this program at 1-866-888-6785 or via the donate link at mennonitechurch.ca. I'm your host, Dan Dick. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living. Salt and light as people of the way. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you.